young people slip off the back with Melissa. Let me just mention a couple other things I want to mention to you. Uh, first of all, I want to mention next week, um, Ovi Cornea and his family will be here ministering with us. They are one of our newer missionaries to Malawi and Romania. And so they will be here in Sunday services next week. So uh, teens and adult Sunday school will meet in here for the Sunday school hour. And uh, they will be with us for the Sunday school hour and the main service next week. We're looking forward to that. And then, folks, it's hard to believe, but seven weeks from today is Resurrection Sunday. That is just hard to fathom. It's in March this year, early than a lot of years. Um, so I wanted to mention a couple things pertaining to that. First of all, uh, Adam and uh, Zach and their choir is going to be here with that, that day and combined with our choir group that gets together for choir, which is starting back up uh, on the 18th. And they're going to uh, do some a couple of numbers of specials together that day uh, for Resurrection Sunday. But I'm also... Uh, have picked out a song that I would like for a men's group to sing. So starting next Sunday, any of you men that, that sing, and we've done a couple men's numbers, you don't have to be somebody that's normally in the choir, just a willingness to sing for the Lord. I've picked out a song that I think will fit the message very well for that day. And so, um, so men, we'll start hopefully next Sunday. i uh, have a quick practice after service uh, for any of the men interested and available uh, to sing for that. We, we look forward to that as well. And so... Um, uh, we can be opening our Bibles to Ephesians 6. Oh, and by the way, while the Corneas are here next Sunday, we will take up a love offering for them at the end of the morning service. So keep that in mind. Pray about that as the Lord leads. But we're in Ephesians chapter 6, and starting in verse 10 this week, I asked Justin and Alyssa, well, I asked Justin, I didn't know Alyssa was singing with them. I asked Justin and Alyssa to sing the song that they, that they just sang about being strong in the Lord, <coughs> knowing where we were in our study in Ephesians. And, um, you know, um, this... This whole book has been, been Paul working through different aspects of the Christian life, and then especially in the last couple of chapters, dealing with walking in the light of the Lord um, and, uh, and, and being prepared in our Christian walk, and then right to where it really, where the rubber meets the road, as we would say, how we deal with that, how we walk in the light of the Lord when it comes to our physical relationships here on the earth. Uh, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, children to parents, parents to children, employer to employee, employee to employer. I mean, he, he hit these areas where it's right where we live and walk every single day. And he was dealing with that as part of walking in the light of Jesus Christ. This is what your walk ought to look like. So, so we could stop and say to ourselves, why, why did Paul spend so much time on this day-to-day, -day, how do you live your life walking in the light of Jesus Christ? Well, the answer comes where we start today in verse 10 of chapter 6. These next few verses are probably the most familiar verses in the book uh, of Ephesians to any of us. And, uh, and, and literally, folks, I've been looking forward to these verses through this whole study. The whole study has been wonderful, but I knew these verses were coming. And that's where we are today. And we start out in Ephesians 6 and verse 10. It says this, simply, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You notice that it starts out there. It just doesn't say, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There's one word before that. And that word is finally. Finally. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying it in light of of everything I have discussed in this book, in light of everything I've given you. Remember, these were letters that were sent out. In light of everything I've written in this letter to you, in light of all these things, 
be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Guzik in his commentary basically says this. He says, I'm not quoting directly, but close. He says, in light of what God has done for you, in light of our standing as children of God, in light of his great plan for our lives, <coughs> in light of his plan for our Christian maturing and growth, in light of the conduct we are called to live, in light of our walking in the spirit of the Lord in Christ Jesus, because of all this, I want you to be strong in the Lord. To be strong in the Lord. Where does the believer find his strength? Listen, folks, we, we, we can try to be super Christian. You know, we, that we, we live in a day and time that, that, that we have movie after movie after movie of superheroes, right? All these superheroes. But you know what? I've no, I, I don't watch many of those movies. I just, they're just not entertaining to me. But, but I have seen a couple. You know what's interesting about all the superhero movies? They all have inadequacies. You ever notice that? They all, they, all have, they all have inadequacies somewhere along the way. And listen, we can come up today and we can say, hey, I'm going to be super Christian. Put the cape on. Put the big S on our chest for super Christian. I'm going to be super Christian. I'm going to conquer the devil. I'm going to do it. And with all the determination we can muster, folks, listen, we still have limitations. And that's because the strength of the believer does not come from us mustering up inside of us. It doesn't come from wishful thinking. It doesn't come because we've been gifted or talented some way. First of all, listen, if you've been gifted or talented some way, you need to thank the Lord for that. But that does not make you superhuman. That does not make you a, a super Christian. You can handle it on your own. If you have the mentality in the Christian life that I don't need God, I can handle it on my own, oh, are you in trouble? Because it just doesn't work, folks. Why doesn't it work? Well, it doesn't work because Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things where? Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. See, folks, it doesn't matter how much I can muster up. It doesn't matter how much determination I can have. It doesn't matter if I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol. It does not matter. I can't do it apart from Jesus Christ because I don't have the strength in of myself. Listen, I don't know about you folks, but sometimes at the end of the week, I, you look back and you think, man, I failed miserably this week. It is, this has been a pitiful week. I've yelled at the kids, I've fought with my wife, I kicked the dog. I mean, you know, it goes on, you know, just, you get to the end of the week, you think, man. And, and it, listen, if that's just an average week in our life, how do we think we're going to go up against Satan? But we get that mentality. We get that idea that I, I'm super Christian, I can do it. Well, sadly, folks, apart from Jesus Christ, we can't do it. That's why Philippians 4.13 was written. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Listen, Paul is getting ready to talk about war. He's getting ready to talk about the battle of the Christian life. He, this is not something for the weak. He's getting ready to lay it out for us. He's getting ready to tell us who the enemy is, what he's like, how he works, and what we need for the battle. And the beautiful thing is, folks, God has given us what we need for the battle. That's what we're going to find in this passage. God doesn't just send us out to face Satan and say, I hope it goes well. I hope you can muster up enough strength when Satan comes calling. That's not what God does, folks. 
We are not left alone in the battle, but we have to come to the conclusion right from the very start that in and of our own strength, we will not be successful. Listen, you can't be good enough to beat Satan. You can't, even if you think you can. And so that's what Paul's dealing with. So he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, there's some, some key words in that very first verse there that, that we need to define. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong. What does the word strong mean? Well, the word strong literally means to impart ability, to be empowered or filled, <coughs> filled with power. Now, isn't that interesting? The word there does not mean I'm already strong. It's not what it means. It means I am going to be filled with power. I have the ability to be strong. I have the ability to gain strength. Where does the strength come from? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. See, see, when, when the apostle writes, when, they, when, when the authors of this book wrote it, they wrote using very specific terminology what God wanted us to understand. And God wants us to understand that though we are not powerful in and of our own strength, I can be powerful through God's strength. I can be powerful through God's strength. I can have courage through God's strength. I can be brave through God's strength. I don't have it in and of myself, but I have the ability to be filled with the Spirit of God. And that's what Paul's saying. The word strong means to be empowered, filled with power. And then he says, find my brethren, be strong in the Lord, be filled with the strength of the Lord, and in the power of his might. The word power there means dominion. It is the exercise of the might that is in me. Now, where is my strength coming from? We just established that. It's coming from the Lord. So, power then is the exercise of God's might God's strength working through my life. That's what it means. In other words, though I am weak, I am just a vessel that allows God's strength, God's might to work through me. That's what he's talking about here. And then we have the last key word in this passage. Finally, my brother, be strong, Lord, in the power of his might. Might is a word that is a force to overcome immediate resistance. I think that might come in handy in the Christian life, folks. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes there's some resistance in my walk with the Lord. There's some things that want to get me off track. There's some temptations that come along the way. And, and this, is, this is what this word means. It's the force to overcome those temptations. Now, folks, I, I have shared with you before, I, I love Ice cold Coke, you know that. I mean, I just, to me, there is no better drink in the world than a bottle, a bottle, glass, that has been sitting in ice and is so cold, it's cold to touch the bottle. And man, you pop that top off and you just hear that, that hiss of that noise as it lets go. And man, it's great. And, I, and listen, I, I struggle in my life because I'm not supposed to be drinking Cokes. So I have not been drinking Cokes. But, but... The temptation is there. We stopped at a gas station last night on our way back from South Carolina, sitting right next to the register. They had a big old 
uh, one of these big old like wash basins filled with glass bottles with ice water in the bottom of them. And I walked past that register a couple times dealing with what we were dealing with in there. And every time I walked past, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it looked, it looked really good. And I, I wanted to give in to the temptation to buy one of those bottles and slug it down while we were driving down the road. But you know what? For somehow I managed to have enough force to resist the temptation. Now, that's a silly illustration but this is exactly what he's talking about in this verse. He's talking about Satan's temptation. When Satan comes calling, he's saying that we, through the strength of the Lord, through his ability through us, we can resist the temptation of Satan when it comes our way. We can, but we don't always. Right? Sometimes we give in to that urge. There have been times in my life where I've given in to that urge for a cold Coke, even though I'm not supposed to be drinking Coke. We give in. But we have the ability, the strength, that we don't have to. That's what Romans spent so much time dealing with in the first part of the book. He's saying you lived in dominion to sin. Sin was dominating in your life. You were a slave to sin, but you don't have to be that way anymore. Yet we still go back, and we go back, and we go back. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then he says this. This is God's equipment for the battle. Listen, number one, we already covered, you can have God's strength for the battle. Number two, God's equipment for the battle. Notice what he says. Put on the whole armor of God. Now again, folks, the words that are in this Bible are written very specifically. And when you see this, um, we, we can note some very specific things that we clearly see in these seven words, put on the whole armor of God. Number one, the words put on, put on. Now, I'm not going to bore you with Greek grammar because I don't understand most of Greek grammar, but... That phrase, put on, is in the aorist active imperative. In other words, this is a, a verb that describes a command, an imperative, something we must do that is a result of something that has happened in the past. So, let's think about it for a second. What has happened in the past that gives me the ability to put on the whole armor of God? Might I say it's probably the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross for your sins and mine, rose again the third day, conquering hell and the grave. He conquered hell and the grave, and so because of that, we can put on the entirety of the armor of God, the whole armor of God. So the phrase put on is important, something that we are commanded to do. It's in the present tense. The armor of God has been made available to us. And we're commanded to put it on. To put it on. Everything we need for the battle has been given to us. How do we know that? We know that because of the next part of that verse. He says, put on the whole armor. The whole armor. In the Greek, the word whole and armor is one word. And that word is everything, the complete set, 
everything that you need as a weapon for the battle. So in other words, it's offensive and it's defensive. It's the whole armor. It's everything I need to fight the battle that Paul is about to talk about. That's what he's saying. Listen, this is what I love. God just doesn't throw us out there on a wing and a prayer. He has given us, he's given us the opportunity, the command to put it on. I have everything you need for the battle. Put it on. Now listen, I have never been a soldier. I have never been in the military. But I've talked to enough military guys over the years to know that they are given equipment. Right? They're give, you're given equipment when you're in the military. Number one, let's say you're completely outfitted, man. You got everything. You got bulletproof vests. You got boots. You got helmets. You got, you know, you got, you got uh, an M16. Right? I mean, you're ready to go. You're equipped for the battle. And you choose to just kind of leave it all sitting on your bunk. And you go out to battle in your gym shorts and T-shirt. Now, that would be absolute idiocy. I mean, I mean, everybody, everybody that's around you would go, that guy's a complete fool. He's an idiot. Because he's been given everything he needs for the battle. He's lacking nothing. He has everything that's needed to go out and fight the battle. Why would he leave it behind? But folks, it's exactly what we do when we don't put on the whole armor of God. God's commanded us. He says, put it on. Put it on. And then he said, not only have I given you armor, I've given you the whole package. I've given you every single thing that you need. You are lacking nothing when it comes to putting on the armor of God. So we see the put on, we see whole armor, but right before the word whole armor, we see a simple little word, the. In the Greek, that's a definite article. In other words, it's a specific armor. There is the armor of God, one specific armor. That's what he's going to be talking about later in this passage. When we get into the parts we know about, the individual pieces, the, that armor is specific. God says, I've given you this, I've given you this, I've given you this, I've given you this. It's the whole package. And then we're commanded, put it on. Put it on. And then number four, I want us to notice the last phrase of that, of that seven-word phrase, the last two words. <coughs> Excuse me. He says, put on the whole armor of God. See, folks, it's not my armor. It's not me providing for myself. It's God's armor provided to me. Everything I need for the battle, lacking nothing. And all I'm told to do is put it on. Put it on. It's there, it's there at your disposal. I, I almost picture like this pile of stuff, and God saying, here it is. The whole pile is yours. It's everything you're ever going to need offensively, defensively. It's all there. Here's the pile. Get it on your body. It's like, that's what he's saying. Put it on. It's a command. And it's a command to be done right now. Put it on. And so, folks, listen, God does not leave us ill-prepared for the battle. You know, that would be a sad God that would leave the people he's called unprepared for battle. 
He's called us into battle, and he's equipped us for the battle. That's the blessing of the God that we serve. Not only have we been called, but we're equipped. We have everything defensive and offensive, every piece of equipment that's available, we must put them on. Paul understood armor. If you remember, this book was written while he was chained to a Roman guard. If anybody understood what armor was like and dealt with, it would have been Paul. <coughs> Paul spent plenty of time dealing with Romans and Roman soldiers. He understood armor. And most likely he was thinking of that as he penned this book because he goes on to give us illustrations of what the armor is based on physical armor. And that's what he's talking about as, as, as we look at this. Uh, we can train soldiers up and equip them with the best equipment on the market, but if the soldier doesn't put it on, it's of no use. And that's the same thing in our Christian walk. God has provided everything we need, but if we refuse to put it on, it's of no use to us. It's not going to help in the battle. It's not going to help in the battle. And why is that important? Because Paul's getting ready to talk about the battle. <laughs> That's why it's important. He has spent this entire book leading up to this point of walking in the light of Jesus Christ. Why? Because there is a war that's going on. And he's about to prepare us for the war. And so now he's telling us, you have the equipment you need to be strong in the Lord, not in of your own strength. God has provided you everything you need for the battle, but you've got to put it on. <coughs> well, we ask ourselves then, what is, what is the purpose of this equipment? Why, why has Paul spent this time talking about the armor of God? And he's going to spend more time talking about it in a few verses, but why has, God, has, has Paul spent this time what battle, what war front, what is he preparing us for? Well, the verse tells us, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Again, looking at some definitions of words, the word able. The word able means to have the ability or power. In other words, Paul's saying, listen, he's, say, he's saying, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Get your strength from God. Put on the whole armor of God that ye might have the ability or power to stand against Satan. That's what he's saying. That's where you're going to have that ability, that power. And then he says to stand, which literally means to stand ready or established. Listen, as Christians, folks, we are to stand ready. We are to be ready for the battle. Not off slumbering somewhere, sleeping, not paying attention, not ready, equipped. No, we are to be equipped, ready, ready to go. Listen, I, 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 I you know, over the years, listen, I, I have not been in the military, but I stand in awe of our military. I, I just, we have the most powerful military in the world, and they are Fun. I'm just saying, it's fun to watch them in action. I mean, I, you know, you hear some of the things when we go in and do things, and it's like, it's like, man, that is insane what we're able to do. I mean, it, it's exciting. To me as an outsider looking in, it's, I'm excited about what our military can accomplish and accomplish with, with great depth sometimes when needed. And uh, I'm just, I'm in awe of that. And, uh, and, and, and it's being prepared, ready at a moment's notice. 
You know, in, when it comes to the spiritual battles in life, we need to be prepared in a moment's notice. Be ready to go to battle, ready to go to war. And then he says this, he says that you may be able to stand against what? The wiles. Now, that's not a word we use very often. We don't use the term wiles very often. But the term wiles, it's the root of our English word method. Our word for method or methodology. He is saying literally that we need to be strong in the Lord, put on the whole armor of God, that we might have the strength and ability and power to stand against the methods or the methodology of Satan. You ever think about that fact that Satan has methods? He has methodology? He does. Listen, we're, we're not up against, listen, folks, we are not up against some weak enemy. We're not. This, this is not like a professional team going to a junior high basketball game and playing the junior high players. That's not what it's like in our Christian life. We are against an enemy, enemy that is strong, that has methodology, methods for how he deals with people in this world. <coughs> the word properly means a predictable method used in organized evil doing. Listen, folks, I don't know about you, but we have to come to the realization that, that Satan is organized in his evil doing. Listen, folks, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Folks, we're, we're in that biblical worldview study on Wednesday nights, and listen, I, I want to encourage you if you're not, we got a lot of folks coming. If you're not coming, I want to encourage you to come. We're, get, we're looking right now at, at marriage and gender. And you know those are hot-button issues in our society today. And Satan is doing his best to destroy the traditional family in this world. Why? Because he has a plan. He has methods. He has methodology. How is he going to go about doing that? How do you destroy the family? The family is recognized in every nation in this world. How do you go about destroying that? Well, Satan has a plan. And that's what he's working, folks. He's working his plan. His strategy is taking place. <coughs> Kenneth Wiest, in his commentary, he says this. He says, the word was used to describe a wild animal who cunningly stalked and unexpectedly uh, plummeted, plummeted on his prey, and, uh, a vivid depiction of the adversary's methods against believers. Let me read that again. Uh, he used to describe a wild animal who cuttingly stalked and unexpectedly pounced, excuse me, pounced on its prey. Um, and that's a vivid description of the adversarial methods that Satan uses against believers. Now, it's interesting. I found, I found online somebody took, um, usually a lot of times when you have a word and you look it up in the Greek, there's usually two, three other words that describe it. It's interesting. This word wiles, uh, somebody took it and broke it down by every word that it describes. There's about eight words. And, and as you look at those eight words and what they mean, we get a real clear indicator of what we're up against. So the word wiles can mean this. It can mean craftiness. That's the use of subtlety or cunning. Remember when Satan appeared to Eve in the garden? What does it say in that passage? He was more subtle than any creature. Right? He was subtle. He appeared to Eve just having a conversation, 
just talking. And by the time it was done, sin had entered the human race for all of its history. Craftiness. It also can mean cunning, which is trickery, executing what one has devised. In other words, Satan has devised a plan and he uses trickery to accomplish that plan. He tricks people. Tricks people. It can also mean scheming, which is given to making plots devious in nature. You think Satan has got some plots for our lives out there? I think he does. The word also can mean strategies which are careful plans or methods really dealing with the science of war. Stratagems is another word. That's a trick in war to outwit the enemy. Tactics, the art or science of maneuvering forces in combat. And then trickery, underhanded ingenuity to deceive or to cheat. Now folks, if you look at that set of words that define the word wiles, we're up against a formidable foe. We're, uh, we're up against somebody who has not only planned and plotted and moved forces around to accomplish his work, but we're up against somebody who uses trickery, deceit, cunning, all these things to accomplish it. Satan is not the little character that your neighborhood kids run around with at Halloween with a pitchfork in his hand and horns out the top. So that's not Satan, folks. Satan is a formidable foe. And he is a foe that you are never going to conquer in your life apart from the power and strength that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is trying to get us to see in this passage. Paul has spent six chapters, five chapters, and halfway into chapter six, preparing us for the battle. Why? Well, we're going to get into that next week. It's because the battle against Satan is not a normal battle. It's not, it's not waged in physical life on the playing field of this earth. It's not. Sometimes we think it is because there's evil around us, there's evil people around us. But folks, they are not necessarily the issue. The issue is much larger than the evil people here on this earth that are carrying out Satan's plans. It's a much bigger battle. It's a much bigger war. <coughs> and Paul is trying to prepare us to go into that battle, to go into that war, number one, having our strength through the Lord and having the armor on that is there to both, one, protect us, and two, to fight the enemy. Because every soldier's weaponry has to do both. He has to be able to protect himself, but he has to be able to fight the battle. It doesn't do any good if we send a thousand soldiers out there that all they do is hold their shield up and do nothing else. They're defending themselves, but what good does that do in the battle? The battle, the war is fought defensively and offensively. We have to be able to protect ourselves, but we have to go to war. And Paul is laying out the fact that we are involved in a spiritual warfare. It's not physical battle. You know, sometimes I think it would be easier if it was physical battle. Because then we just prepare and we go after it. We can see the enemy in front of us. But that's not how Satan works. See, it's a spiritual battle. 
And so Paul is trying to prepare us by telling us, helping us understand that you can't do this in and of your own strength. You can't. And number two, you need the whole armor of God. You need the whole package to be able to do it. Why? Well, next week we'll look at that. No, we won't. We'll look at it the next week after that because Ovi Fernie is here next week. Two weeks from now we'll look at why is Paul laying it out this way. Why is he helping us to understand this? And it's because this is not a typical war. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. And that makes a world of difference. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. We come to the end of the message today. Listen, this study in the book of Ephesians, this is a great book. I mean, every part of the Bible is wonderful, but this book has been a great study. But Paul has been heading a direction as he's, as he's taught to us and taught us <clears throat> about walking in the light of the Lord. And then he dealt with all these personal relationships because he's trying to get us in our Christian life to have all of our ducks in a row, as they say. He's trying to get us to have everything in a row the way it's supposed to be. Why? Because we got much larger fish to fry. We got a spiritual battle that's awaiting us. And we can't at that point be dealing with all these other things. So get all these things in a row. Get all these things where they need to be. Understand that you can't do it in your own. Understand that you've got to have the armor of God, the whole armor, the complete armor, the whole package. And then we go up against our enemy, Satan, and his tactics. That's what Paul's preparing us for. And in two weeks, we're going to look at what does that spiritual warfare look like? And then we're going to start looking at the specifics of that armor. What has God given us to protect us? Because the wording that's used here says he's given us everything we need for the battle. We lack nothing. So if we lack nothing, then it's probably pretty important to look at what has he given us for the battle. And that's what we're going to do in a couple of weeks. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. We come to the end of the message today. I'm going to ask Elizabeth just to play. Listen, folks, I don't know how the Lord maybe spoke to you today. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's the first step. You can't expect God's strength in your life when you don't even know him as your personal Savior. So if you're here today and have never done that, I would encourage you to come forward during this time and come to the altar and I'll have somebody take a Bible and show you I can know you're for sure that you're saved today. But if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then, then Paul is laying out, folks. He, he is giving you a, a, he's just begun to give you a battle plan. How are you going to fight the spiritual battles that have to be fought in the Christian life? And Paul's preparing us for that fight. Maybe you need to spend some time at your pew or at the altar just asking God to help prepare you for the battle. I don't know. We wait just a moment this morning.